a melting pot episode today as we've got a bunch of different topics that we've got to get into two game slate for the Houston Rockets over the weekend both games ending in double digit losses takeaways from both positive and negative just how good has Josh Christopher been should Alper and Shingun be starting next to Christian Wood if they're not going to utilize him properly also, NBA trade deadline is right around the corner. Thoughts on Eric Gordon and his remaining tenure with the Houston Rockets, as well as revisiting an old friend, Karis LeVert, who just found his way to a new NBA home, and some mailbag questions to round out the episode, all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Houston Rockets select... Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. And hey, today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As always, thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day big episode today so many different things to catch up on busy weekend for the houston rockets two game slate unfortunately both both games ending in double digit losses so i'm going to focus on some takeaways both positive and negative from the loss on the road against the san antonio spurs and then the loss at home against the new orleans pelicans how good has Josh Christopher been? Should the Rockets be starting LP if he's not going to be utilized properly in that starting lineup? As well as some thoughts on Eric Gordon rolling into the NBA trade deadline and some thoughts on an old friend, Karis LeVert, finding his way to a new home team with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then rounding things out, we're going to have a bunch of mailbag questions that were submitted last week but that I unfortunately didn't have a chance to get to. So we're going to dive into those on today's show. So with that, let's start with probably the biggest positive from this past weekend. And, and honestly, one of the biggest positives of the season is just how good Josh Christopher has looked. He had his best game as a professional basketball player against the San Antonio Spurs over this past weekend. He posted a career high 23 points on seven of 13 shooting, two of five shooting from behind the three-point line, went seven of eight at the free throw line, had five boards, four assists, three steals, and then just one turnover in 29 minutes played against the San Antonio Spurs. This was a career game for Josh Christopher. He has been absolutely hooping. There's no other way to put it. And the level at which that he's playing he just looks so comfortable out there. Like he just under, like he just, some guys just get the game of basketball, right? It's like some guys just understand. And even though Josh Christopher is only 20 years, 20 years old, he gets it. Like he just plays hard. He understands, he fights, he scraps for loose balls. He does all the little things and he does exactly what he's asked to do. If he's asked to be an off ball player and, 
you know, catch and shoot and just kind of wait in the corner for, for his chance to drive and kick to the next guy. Great. If he's asked to orchestrate and run the offense in the absence of Kevin Porter Jr., which KPJ, unfortunately, missing a majority of that Spurs game, then he can do that too. He has shown a lot of growth in such a short time as an NBA player. And I keep coming away thinking that he is going to be revered as one of the absolute steals of this past NBA draft. When they inevitably go back and all the draft experts go back to do their, you know, their, their redrafts of this past NBA draft of 2021, I firmly believe that down the line, we're going to revisit this and Josh Christopher is going to be taken somewhere in the top 10 of this draft. Hopefully Jalen Green will also be taken really high in this, uh, in a redraft down the line, but Josh Christopher has just looked phenomenal. And I think that needs to be an important takeaway as far as being confident with the direction of this rebuild. And yeah, Jalen Green's had his ups and downs. Alp has shown some flashes, but there's some concerns about his, his, you know, you know, what's he's going to, what's he going to do defensively? What's his true ceiling going to be depending on, you know, his, you know, limited, you know, physical attributes, that kind of thing. But Josh Christopher has shown a lot in a very short amount of time. And, especially against the Spurs and even in the game against the Pelicans, his driving ability was really on display. Like Josh Christopher is able to drive at a really, really high level. He draws fouls really well. He's comfortable driving off of kickouts, which is the biggest thing in this Rockets offense is being able to drive the ball into the defense and either create and get the next kick out to the next guy or create something for yourself at the rim. And Josh Christopher does that at a really, really high level. Alperin Shingun had a, par- a pretty solid outing against the San Antonio Spurs as well, coming off the bench in that one, recorded the most minutes he's ever played in an NBA game. Still didn't crack 30, finished right on the cusp of like 29. And he finished with 18 points, shot seven of 15 from the floor, just one of four from behind the three-point line, was three of three at the charity stripe. Only two rebounds. You'd like to see that number be a little bit higher for LP, uh, working a little bit more on the boards, but he had an assist, had a steal, had three blocks. He was active defensively. So an encouraging, impressive stat line from Alper and Shingun against the San Antonio Spurs. Unfortunately, this was a game where the Rockets were competitive through the first half, and then the floodgates opened in the third quarter for the San Antonio Spurs team. They hung 40 on the Rockets in the third quarter, just 40 to 23, took a gigantic lead and and never really looked back, unfortunately, in this game. We're able to cruise to the finish line uh, to a final score of 131-106. Steven Silas was frustrated with the turnovers in this game. The Rockets recorded 17 turnovers to just 15 assists. And that was actually a talking point of Steven Silas is going into the Rockets very next game against the New Orleans Pelicans. And so I actually want to, from here, uh, before I dive into the Pelicans game, I will also say Jalen Green had a, a decent game against the San Antonio Spurs. Nothing phenomenal to write home about. Um, started the game kind of strong. Just a kind of an overall quiet night for a lot of the Rocket starters. And I mentioned this during the game, but the team just looks so drastically different when KPJ isn't on the floor. And I think that's a testament to how much growth he has shown as the point guard, that things look 
at times, unfortunately, quite discombobulated when KPJ isn't on the floor. Things just don't flow as much offensively. And that, you know, credit to KPJ for being the point guard of this Houston Rockets team and allowing things to flow in a proper way when he's on the floor. The offense just looks better when he's out there. So Jalen Green did have, you know, okay-ish night. 12 points, three of nine shooting, two of four from the three-point line. Was four of four at the charity stripe, was driving in, getting fouled. Uh, had two rebounds, three assists, had a steal. Overall, not a phenomenal night from, from Jalen Green, but not a subpar evening. Just kind of middle of the road for Jalen Green. Uh, I do want to talk about the Pelicans game as well as get to the variety of other topics that we've got lined up in today's show. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, when it comes to protein bars, you've got to pick the best one out there. And the best one out there is Built Bar. I'm somebody that used to struggle with my New Year's resolutions, right? Built Bar is Built Bar can help you with your New Year's resolutions, right? If you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to eat a little bit healthier, Built Bar can help you do that because they're the protein bars you're actually going to look forward to eating, right? Because it's not a chore to eat them. They're not gritty or chalky like some of the other protein bars on the market. They're so good. They're covered in delicious chocolate. They're basically protein bars that taste like a candy bar. And the flavors, don't even get me started on the flavors. Strawberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, peanut butter, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single flavor on their menu. And you can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. The NBA trade deadline right around the corner, Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Locked on NBA podcast is going to be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to the Locked on NBA YouTube channel and turn on your notifications so that you know when they go live. And hey, if the Rockets make a move, you know I'm going to be there, be there to break it down. So you don't want to miss out. Check it out. The deadline show is always fun. I hosted it last year. It's always, you know, it's a great time. So, talk a little bit about the Pelicans game here in Houston. And final score, 120-107. Rockets, very similar to the San Antonio Spurs game, get absolutely blasted in the third quarter of this one. It was competitive at the half. Five-point game at the half. Rockets let the Pelicans hang 38 on them in that third quarter, 38 to 23. So very eerily similar to the 40 to 23 quarter that the Rockets had against the Spurs. Uh, Brandon Ingram goes off for 33 points. Jackson Hayes had 21 off the bench. Jonas Valanciunas had 12 of his 18 points in the fourth quarter. Just Rockets could not contain the Pelicans defensively. And unfortunately, that's a knock against Alperin Shingoon and Christian Wood. And that tandem duo because we did get to see LP in the starting lineup recording his third career start. No Eric Gordon in this game. Kevin Porter Jr. was a game time decision and ultimately did wind up playing. Eric Gordon was listed out with left heel tightness, which is, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute as far as whether or not that's a real injury or a fake injury because the Rockets are, you know, scouring trade markets for Eric Gordon. But in this game, we saw Jalen Green had a 
really solid performance. Didn't hit a single three, but outside of that, had a very, very quality performance. 18 points, 7 of 14 shooting, which, quick note, of one of those shots, right? It was like kind of a heave with the shot clock going down. And he was actually like toe on the three-point line and like jumped over the three-point line and shot it in, uh, kind of, you know, had pump fake the defender and then had to jump through them and then finish the shot. So for all intents and purposes, that should have been a three-pointer. Unfortunately, toe on the line, so it counts as an extremely long two. But Jalen finished with, again, 18 points, 7 of 14 shooting, missed all four of his three-point attempts, but was 4 of 4 at the, cha at the charity stripe, had three boards, had four assists, had two steals, did have four turnovers, and the turnovers have been something that Steven Silas has been harping on. He was ha Steven Silas was happier with the 28 team assists that the Rockets had in total, but the turnovers are still something that he wants to see worked on with this team. And largely Jalen Green has been pretty good about not turning the ball over and still being able to find his teammates at a pretty high level. So I'm not going to overreact to just one game, but I really did like what we saw out of Jalen Green in this one as far as attacking the basket, utilizing his, you know, some dribble moves to get to the rim was you know, attacking really, really well off the bounce. And that's exactly what you want to see out of Jalen, that level of aggression where he had some finishes, like he had one ridiculous finish, drove it in from the right wing, beat his man off the dribble, rose up and hung through the air and finished through two Pelicans defenders at the rim, kind of like double clutched and got up past them and then finished. And those are the type of like, freak athletic finishes that you kind of expect to see out of Jalen green. He had another in transition where he got, you know, he it was the, it was a two for one before halftime and Jalen managed to get up the court in the span of about four seconds and got the ball off the glass and forced the goaltending call on the Pelicans. Cause he was just a blur in transition and it gave the Rockets a two for one opportunity at the end of the half, which is exactly what you want. It's good clock management, great awareness by Jalen green. But again, the area that I continue to be most impressed by him is his defense. And I asked Steven Silas pregame, you know, how, what he's seeing out of Jalen on the defensive side of the ball. And Silas mentioned the fact that during their walkthrough before this game, Jalen was in, in all the right spots all throughout the walkthrough. Like he understood all the assignments and where he was supposed to be and all of that. And the attention and Silas was like the attention to detail that he showed and that he's continuing to show in practice in games and the recognition that he has now on the defensive side of the ball that's growth. That's attention to detail. And that's something that should be praised. And so, yeah, I, we, we spend a lot of time hung up on the offensive side of Jalen Green's game, but he has grown tremendously as a defender. And that's a great sign moving forward for him. Want to also highlight here the fact that we did get to see the double big lineup continue to be deployed with Christian Wood and Alper and Shingun. LP finished with a relatively subpar night. I mean, five points, two of six shooting, one of five from the three-point line, attempted five three-pointers, and a couple of them were just, you know, last-minute heaves with the shot clock going down. Had six boards, had four assists, had a steal, had a couple blocks. You know, kind of a weird night for LP, though. And to me, what I didn't like is, is the Rockets didn't utilize LP the way that they normally do when they bring him off the bench. He wasn't 
like the fulcrum of the offense running things. And I think a big part of that was having to share the floor for so much time with C wood. And to me, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it for Alper and Shingun if he's going to start and if they're not going to like play to his strengths, i.e. posting him up and allowing him to operate down low and, you know, work to get his, the buckets that we're used to seeing him, you know, work towards and, and create for others and stuff out of the low post, then I don't know if it's necessarily worth it for him to be starting next to Christian Wood. I know everybody wants LP starting and I'm glad that Steven Silas is at least willing to continue with the experiment, but you know, and this was, this was indirect result because Eric Gordon was out and the Pelicans had the size advantage with Jonas Valanciunas in the middle. And then Jackson Hayes and those two guys still wound up eating up the rockets. They didn't like get destroyed on the glass or anything, but those two guys still feasted on the interior, especially Jackson Hayes. And we've seen this before. I mean, long, big, long athletic bigs that can get rolling downhill and, you know, be problematic, especially in, in pick and roll situations, give the rockets trouble, especially when their rotations aren't crisp when the low man isn't there in time. And that was exactly a problem that the Rockets had trying to contain those guys in this game. And not to mention that, uh, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, he's he's always a hand, handful, but he, he also made it to the free throw line 10 times, 7 of 10 free throw shooting. So he had to earn them at the stripe, but he got fouled a ton trying to, you know, the Rockets trying to contain him, that is. But even, and one of the other things that I saw noticed in this game that kind of bugged me and it's been something that's been bugging me for a lot of the season, but I saw a possession in this game that like almost perfectly encapsulated some of my frustration with Christian Wood. And that was basically, it was, it was uh hang on. I wrote it down. Uh, second quarter near the end of the half. Where'd my notes go? There they are. <laughs> second quarter near the end of the half. Jalen green is running in transition, drives the ball in. Kicks it out to Josh Christopher. Josh Christopher drives, kicks it back out to Jalen Green. Jalen Green drives in from the top of the key. Green kicks it out to Jay Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate swings it to KPJ at the top of the key. KPJ extra pass back to Josh Christopher on the wing. Josh Christopher drives it in again. It's great ball movement. They're sharing the basketball. They've got the Pelicans defense. So it's all scattered all over the place. Josh Christopher dumps it off to Christian Wood. Ryan Hollins on the broadcast, as I was like re you know rewatching this play on the broadcast, says this is so fun to watch. And then Christian Wood walks it back out to the three point line and takes a contested step back three at the end of a possession with a ton of beautiful driving kick ball movement by the Houston Rockets. Now I will say he was fouled on that three by Jonas Valanciunas, um, no call unfortunately, but. That was almost like the just the prime frustration that I've had with like Christian Wood for a majority of the season is he is kind of a ball stopper offensively. And the Rockets had this beautiful possession going. They had the Pelicans defense kind of scattered and they had these great driving kick opportunities. And then the ball immediately touches Christian Wood's hand and the passing stops. The defense is able to kind of refocus and get set and Christian settles for a step back three, which is objectively a bad shot, you know, with a hand in his face. So I was frustrated by that overall Christian would had, uh, you know, an, an overall decent game. When you look at the stat sheet, uh, 22 points, eight boards, he did have three assists. Uh, 
eight of 15 shooting it's three of six from the three point line. But, you know, I can't help but think that Christian Wood would average, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, assists a night utilizing his offensive gravity. If he just didn't tunnel vision as much on offense, you know, trying to get his, whether it's, you know, ill-advised three point shots or just tunnel visioning and driving, you know, head down towards the rim. Yeah. It works sometimes when it turns into free throws, but other times turns into sloppy turnovers or missed shots. And it's not like Christian Wood had a bad game, so I can't harp on him too much. It's more so just he would be so much more of a complete player if the ball didn't seemingly always stop when it touched his hands. So it's frustrating to say the least. I'm sure that, and, and other times throughout the season, it's been you know problematic where we've seen players frustrated, you know, throughout the game and what have you about Christian Wood, you know, getting his or, or you know not necessarily sharing the basketball, but overall, um, I can't harp on him too much from this game. Unfortunately, he, he had he had a good he had a good night. Um, with that, Garrison Matthews off the bench as well. Gary Bird was was lighting it up. The bird was flying. Uh, he had 18 points. He looked like he was catching fire there in the fourth quarter, but by then it was too little, too late. Six of 11 shooting, five of nine from the three point line. Continue to be impressed with what Gary Bird brings, and he's starting to also be a better facilitator. Like we started seeing Gary Bird get more comfortable, like driving in off the three point line, realizing the defenses are running him off the three point line. And now he's becoming a like decent passer as far as like keeping the ball moving and, you know, making that extra pass to the next guy or driving it in and then finding like the cutter, you know, that's diving towards the rim. He finished with four assists in this game. So Garrison Matthews is kind of honing in on what he needs to do and, and the role that he really needs to play as a shooter in this offense and, you know, figuring out the other spots that he can be successful in these games. And another quality night from Josh Christopher off the bench, 12 points, five of nine shooting, had some good drives, had a couple good assists, did have three turnovers, had some spots where he overplayed his hand defensively, but he's young, he's ambitious, it happens. And then Jay Sean Tate in the starting lineup, 15 points, five of 10 shooting, uh, was two of four from the three-point line. Just a little bit of everything out of Jay Sean Tate. Uh, some really impressive finishes over Jonas Valanciunas in this game, and I continue to always be impressed when 6'4", Jay Sean Tate is able to finish over a towering seven-foot-tall big man, and he just, like, I mean, he's bodying Jonas Valanciunas off of him like it's nothing. Like, it's always entertaining to watch Jay Sean Tate uh, be down there in the land of the trees and be unfazed by them, uh, you know, largely in, in most of these matchups. But, uh, you know, kind of a unfortunate loss. They, the Rockets just couldn't find a way to contain Brandon Ingram, and they let Jackson Hayes go off for 21 points off of the bench. So tough loss against the Pels. But just some, you know, wrapped up takeaways from this game. Coming up, want to get into the mailbag questions as well as uh, a quick thought on Eric Gordon and a quick thought on our old friend, Karis LeVert. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. Because look, Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game right around the corner. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, be sure to check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So kind of going to conjoin these two points together into one, but uh, on Karis LeVert, uh, the goat himself, Karis LeVert, uh, he found some, he finds himself now a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that takes one of the potential Eric Gordon suitors off the board. And the return that the Pacers got for LeVert essentially boils down to a late first in this upcoming 2020, 2022 draft, as well as a future second round draft pick. And they kind of flip-flopped second-round draft picks in this upcoming draft and were able to get the Houston Rockets second-round draft pick, which is probably going to be a very, very high second-round draft pick given the Rockets' record. So overall, a pretty solid return for Karis LeVert. And I can't help but sit here and wonder if, and not if, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I think the Rockets maybe made a misstep when it came to choosing Victor Oladipo over Karis LeVert. Uh, during the original framework of the James Harden deal. Now, at the time, the Rockets wanted to be competitive. And they felt that the potential ceiling of Victor Oladipo gave them a better shot at competing that season than Karis LeVert did. And that's understandable. But it was a misstep. You know, if they had gotten the best version of Victor Oladipo, bought in pre-injury version Victor Oladipo, which is what everybody was hoping for, then yeah. And then Christian Wood doesn't get injured and maybe they make a run and they make some noise in the playoffs because they didn't own their pick last season. So they didn't want to intentionally be bad because they didn't want that pick to convey to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And thankfully it didn't. So that said, seeing what the Pacers were able to get as far as a return for Karis LeVert at this deadline, it's kind of tough because the Rockets could have you know, used that return. It would have been nice to have. So overall, you know, Rafael Stone's done an incredible job navigating this rebuild. He's, you know, 96, 97% of it's been, you know, really, really solid. But it's okay to say that he maybe had a misstep regarding the Karis LeVert situation. Like, that's okay. And, you know, I'm not trying to crucify him for it or anything. And again, hindsight's always 2020. They made, they took a gamble last season and the gamble didn't pay off. And it, kind of sort of did pay off because then they were able to be bad enough and not on the hook for more money later on with Levert. But ultimately he was able to play himself into a deal where the Pacers were able to, you know, recoup a little bit of value. Um, and you know, that we'll see how, we'll see how that, that situation works out now for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But that takes the Cavs off the board as a potential EG suitor. It does kind of set the table for, you know, what the offers are potentially going to look like for EG. And at this point, if it's a 2022 first on the table, then I'd still like to see the Rockets probably take that offer. But at the same time, you know, there's something to be said for those 2022 picks and having and having to utilize them like right away rather than having the flexibility of a pick that's a bit further out, even if it's just one more year further out, like a 2023 draft pick. So if the Rockets think that they can get a future draft asset, like a 2023 first for EG later this summer, 
maybe it's worth holding on to EG past the deadline to then move him this offseason rather than trading him for an asset that you have to immediately burn in this upcoming draft in some capacity. Now, maybe you're able to package a couple picks together and move up in the draft, something to that effect. The Brooklyn Nets pick is looking juicier and juicier day by day as they continue to slide uh, in the Eastern Conference, sure. But that's not a given. That's not a guarantee. So at this point, I still think moving on from EG is the right move at the deadline for a lot of different reasons. But it wouldn't shock me if the Rockets decide to hold on to him to potentially get a better future first out of him later this, you know, off season possibly. So that's kind of just some, you know, jumbled thoughts on EG and the upcoming deadline. Want to roll through uh, some of these mailbag questions that I promised I would get to last week. And unfortunately, you know, wasn't able to tackle them. So I want to kind of hit these, not necessarily like super rapid fire, but I want to get through these, uh, make sure we hit on some of these. So here we go. Uh, from at Houston, Aussie and at the underscore beard man five, which of the top three in the NBA draft, uh, fit best next to Shingun. So there's two people's names on these because, some of y'all asked the same question twice. And so I was like, you know what? Let me give credit to both people who asked this question. Um, I think right now of the top three, you've got to look at Jabari Smith as almost the ideal fit next to Alper and Shingun. He's number one on my big board right now. And I also think he simultaneously happens to be a really, really good fit next to LP. You want to put shooting around LP. You want to put solid defenders around LP. Uh, you want somebody with a little bit of size and versatility next to LP. So I, I can't think of a better fit next to Alper and Shingu. Now I will say that Chet Holmgren has a lot of defensive tools and maybe the way that Chet could develop you could maybe have him as like the four next to LP as your five. Um, but right now I'm firmly on Jabari Smith Island and I don't, it's going to take like a tidal wave to move me off of this Island right now. So that's going to be my answer there as far as who is the best fit next to Shingun out of the top three of this next draft. So next question we have, uh, where do you stand on the idea of James Harden wanting to come back to Houston? Would you listen from at Rowdy Dirt and at the midnight or not at uh, the Midnight Ace via YouTube? So there's a lot of uh, you know turmoil going on in Brooklyn right now. James Harden is unhappy. There's you know reports that uh, Houston would you know welcome him back, right? If that's something that he would want to do, and frankly if Harden wants to come back as like old man Harden in free agency and sign on like a team friendly deal and, you know, be the, you know, Chris Paul, that's going to lead this young Rockets team to some deep playoff runs in like a year or two. Sure. I'm all for that. Right. Sign me up for old man Harden, you know, kind of taking a backseat to the young guns in Jalen green, KPJ, Shingoon, whoever the Rockets draft next season or this upcoming draft, all of that. Right. But if the Rockets had to trade for Harden or if they had to sign Harden to some mega deal where they've got to clear out, you know, 40 something million, 50 million in cap room to be able to sign him outright for a max deal all the way until, you know, Harden is 38, 39 years old. No, not interested whatsoever. If he wants to come back to Houston on a sweetheart deal because he misses the city and because he did the Rockets wrong by forcing his way out in the first place, I'm all for it welcome him back with open arms. But in any other situation, I'm not interested. The Rockets definitely don't need to trade anything for James Harden. And they definitely don't need to sacrifice, you know, 
four to five years of cap room to try and bring James Harden back so that he can secure the bag and retire here in Houston while, you know, taking up 40% of the Rockets cap space. So thoughts on that. Let's get to our next question here from at Spence is good. Could we see KJ Martin in the starting lineup after the deadline? I think at this point, the two pieces that, you know, have the most buzz around them for the Houston Rockets are Eric Gordon and Christian Wood here rolling into the deadline. And if Christian Wood has moved, I think it makes sense that LP would be the starting replacement. If Eric Gordon has moved, we saw Steven Silas go with Christian Wood and LP as his starting duo against the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't think that would be like an every night thing. I don't think LP just becomes the de facto new starter. That said, I think it would make a lot more sense for Garrison Matthews to be in the starting spot in place of Eric Gordon. And then even if it wasn't Garrison Matthews, I think Josh Christopher has earned significantly more minutes or earned potentially a starting spot over that of KJ Martin. And at the end of the day, KJ Martin and Jay Sean Tate both play kind of the same role on offense for this Rockets team. Jay Sean brings a bit more playmaking and a bit more versatility in the role, but they both kind of slot into that four spot and on the wing for the Rockets, that undersized four, um, you know, energy guy, hustle guy, whatever you want to call it. And having both of those guys in the starting lineup side by side would lead to, you know, some shooting struggles, all of that. Now, maybe, you know, and I don't think KJ Martin has outplayed Jay Sean Tate to this point this season, if ever. Uh, KJ has been good, but he's ultimately his role is as an energy hustle guy off the bench to inject life into the Rockets lineup. And that's where he's best served. So no, I, I don't really think we realistically see a chance for KJ Martin to start after the deadline. Uh, next question here, should the Rockets package Wooden Gordon together to get more than moving them individually from Kenneth Robertson? I, it, this one's kind of a tough one um, because the destinations that would necessarily be interested in, in Eric Gordon and Christian Wood aren't exactly, you know, some of them aren't the same destination. Maybe there's an offer out there where you can juice it up a bit more by having both of those guys go to the same team. But at the end of the day, you know, these are two guys that, on their own could probably fetch you, you know, some first, some future draft capital, what have you, maybe a young enticing prospect, that kind of thing. We've gone over various Eric Gordon and Christian Wood trade scenarios. And throughout all of that, there wasn't a point where I came across a team that, and thought, yeah, this team could use both of these guys and they have adequate salary to send back and they have adequate draft capital and or young prospects to throw in a deal. So I don't think it's necessarily as, as easy as just, oh, well, here's these two pieces. Let's piece them together and send them to one location to get more return. I think you pretty much almost have to send those two guys to two separate areas to be able to get to extract the most possible return at this NBA trade deadline. So there's that. Appreciate the question, Kenneth. Last question here. Uh, or not last, is it last question? Hang on. Yeah. Last question. Yeah. Last question. Uh, can would still be a long-term fit along a rim protector that spaces the floor, e.g. Miles Turner from listen to Lycon via YouTube. Look, Christian Wood is absolutely a walking 20 and 10. He's a, a force on offense, but the reason that he is a force on offense is because he is a nightmare mismatch for opposing fives. Now, unfortunately, he is also a giving up like, you know, 25 and like 15 on the other end of the floor on most nights. So 
if you put Christian Wood at the four, a lot of the time he loses the advantage that he has against other fives. Now, depending on the five that you slot next to Christian Wood, if a team can't just go hide their other five on that player because that player is also like a threat to space the floor or maybe a threat to do something off the bounce, then yeah, like Christian can still be effective if he's matched up against another five. Uh, next to a Miles Turner, I don't know because then you know, the opposing five just checks Miles Turner and you're going to get a wing or a smaller, quicker, more agile player checking Christian Wood. And that kind of neutralizes what Wood is really good at, which is, again, taking other bigs off the dribble, getting them in foul trouble, driving, uh, you know, utilizing his speed, sometimes, you know, moving into a step back three, that kind of thing. And then defensively, yeah, he can kind of hold his own and he's not going to get it abused down low, but he doesn't know how to use his size or lack thereof to abuse smaller players when they do guard him, at least not effectively or not consistently. So, you know, I, I'm really torn on what Christian Woods, you know, ideal fit is at the NBA. It really realistically, Christian Wood is a five that just needs to learn how to play better defense or at least more consistent defense because he can, when he wants to, when he's locked in, you know, he will still struggle with some of those bigger bodied centers in the league, but so many of Christian's defensive lapses can be chalked up to just not paying attention, sleeping off ball, not hustling, like doing the little things that you have to do to succeed at, you know, at the highest level in the NBA. And, and unfortunately, Christian just doesn't do enough of those things on the defensive side to find consistent success. So it's frustrating, but that's just kind of where we're at with Christian Wood and kind of why I'm out on him as a you know long-term piece for this Houston Rockets team. So with that, I appreciate the mailbag questions. Uh, it's always fun to be able to answer those. I didn't get a chance to do those uh, in the previous week. Just, you know, some schedule issues, what have you, with that Monday episode, it kind of fell through. So I do apologize about that. But with that, that's going to wrap up this episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to check out the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.